episode 156 of Fried Squirms. Our send-off, unfortunately? I don't say this episode is unfortunate. No, no, no. But I, I know you're getting that, though. To Stuart Gordon, who passed... I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple weeks ago. But sort of superseded any of our other plans. I don't even remember if we had any other plans. We probably didn't because we're giant stoners that don't make things up to the last second. But today we're going to cover From Beyond. Yeah. So fucking glad we did. Likewise. I'm Tyler. Yeah, I'm Danny. And how's it going? <laughs> well, considering all that's going on around us, at least on my end, not too bad. I told you just a little while ago I picked up a food processor just in case times get rough, but also because I've been wanting to get one for a while, just because I enjoy, you know, making food as a whole. So, yeah, I just did that, picked up a few movies, I'm just getting caught up on shows, things like that. So it hasn't been too bad. How about yourself? You know, not bad. Just being really, really lazy lately, playing a shit ton of video games and not really moving off the couch. It's been kind of nice. I probably need to get moving around a little bit more, but, you know, whatever. It's been tiring lately. But things are finally calming down some at work and all that good shit, so. That definitely helps. I smoked myself stupid. We got fucking green hits, don't we? <laughs> oh, shit. Do I have anything new bringing to the table? What do I got this week? I'm bringing some Bruce Banner. Have I talked about Bruce Banner on the show yet? Possibly. I can't remember because we do get high a lot, but it's probably worth at least reminding our audience or giving our audience an idea of what Bruce Banner entails. Well, I'll tell them in a second. <laughs> oh, I know I've talked about Bruce Banner before. I mean, there was only so big of an option at my shop this past <laughs> week, so... It's bred from OG Kush, Strawberry Diesel, Hybrid. Kind of peppery, kind of citrusy. You probably know the actual terpenes going into that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and a little bit earthy. Nice. That's good. But, I don't know, it's just pretty straightforward. Like I said, there wasn't the widest range. I know I've talked about Silver Tip, too, because it's my favorite. Like oh, I got some so Silver Tip loaded up in my Firefly and some Sour Diesel over in the other room. But the Bruce Banner is the joints that I brought. Nice. So. Well, good. I, I look forward to that. Mm -hmm. So this week I have brought over two strains. One I've actually mentioned before, which is the Blueberry Muffin, which is what I'm smoking out of my Starry V3. And for those who do or do not know... Regardless, it is a hybrid. It's a offshoot of blueberry and purple panty dropper. Now, I'm a huge fan of blueberry. Like, that's actually one of my all-time favorite strains, but... I'm a huge fan <clears throat> of panty droppers. Man, I love panty <laughs> dropping. <laughs> but for those who are curious, the terpene profile on this is that you get that peppery, which is the carophyllene, the citrus, which is more your limonene, and a little bit of the herbal, too. So herbal can go a couple different ways, depending on if it's... Humulene, it could be the linalool, but regardless, it does have that calming effect. So for those who want to get a, you know, take the edge off a little bit, this is a good strain for that. And the other is a new strain for me, is I picked up some Ethos cookies, which is a cross between Mandarin cookies number 17, which I do like that Mandarin cookies a lot, man, it has a very citrusy taste, and the Colin OG number one, which I've never tried, but uh, this particular strain offers an energetic, creative, and a euphoric high. So if you're having issues with either pain, anxiety, and or depression, this is a good strain for that. Some of the notes that you'll get are like a cinnamony, some hops, and a little bit of the orange notes. 
specifically because it is carophylline, humulene, and the limonene. So uh, this one I have tried earlier this week. It's a pretty good high, too. It's, mm. it's not too dopey because, like I said, it does give you that creative. So you'll feel a little, you know, relaxed, but you'll feel like you want to actually do shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess that Bruce Banner hybrid, mostly a little bit more of a head high, but it's more of like a calming, not sort of more like a energetic, creative buzz, more of just like a, you stay Bruce Banner yeah. and you don't turn into the Hulk if you're smoking this. Nice. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, it yeah. calms you out and then a little bit of the body relaxation down through from that. A little bit more centered towards the head high. So Nice, nice. Well, I think it's going to be a good mix for what we're going to get ourselves into for today. Well, shit. Now let's get to the guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Ooh, Sapphire J, Danny. Thank you. Yeah, man, you're welcome. And, and likewise, thank you for uh, some Mr. Bruce. Bruce. That's right. All right, so from beyond. Oh, shit. This Reef is where I have to start with summary, huh? Yeah. All right. Spoiler-free synopsis. Two scientists slash researchers slash colleagues create a machine to stimulate the pineal gland. And the things that they see, it turns out they can also encounter. And that's not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I like that. I think that's a good brief synopsis of what this film entails. And of course, from week to week, we like to talk about the people who go into making the film and adapted from the H.P. Lovecraft short story. Absolutely, there absolutely. Which is uh, a huge point, <laughs> considering who we're going to be talking about today. So, with that being said, I'll lead off because we've already mentioned this gentleman. But our director and one half, of, well, one third of our writing team for the screenplay is Stuart Gordon, who we've actually talked about before because we mentioned last week the way we kicked off our podcast was with Reanimator, and that was a way of not only just putting ourselves out there, but it was a good way to kind of let people know what we're about, you know? It definitely set a tone, a tone that I think really taps into what we really I think like it really from does. horror movies. I think it encapsulates it perfectly because it's a good mix of gore comedy just bizarre shit hp lovecraft inspired once again so you get a good mix of it all taboo yeah oh yeah lots of that it's uh headless kind of lingus it was a mix of everything this film kind of is too we'll get into that in a little bit more detail later but when Mr. Gordon passed recently, we were just like, well, we have to do another Stuart Gordon flick. Yeah, and I was quite all right with that because I'm a huge fan. I know you are as well. I had somehow forgotten that he had directed Dagon. Which was the other episode <laughs> I was going to mention. So we did cover Dagon on episode 84. So it hasn't been as long ago as we thought that we'd covered Mr. Gordon. But we have mentioned before in the past on some of those older episodes is some of his other credits include things like Dolls, which came out the year. I actually think it was shot around the same time as this film, but it was released the year after. We've also talked about the fact that he was the writer on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which still blows my mind. But he also did such films as The Pit and the Pendulum. He helped with the film Castle Freak. He helped write for The Dentist. He was the director, writer, I would imagine producer too for Space Truckers, Edmund, and the film Stuck. Now, one thing... Space Truckers. I still need to check that out. I don't know if I've seen it at all. I can't even remember if I have or not. Dude, Charles Dance has to pull start his cock. (laughs) 
that's awesome hell yeah <laughs> oh crank cock there yeah dude he's and it's like whirring and blue and debbie mazar's eyes just are wide but kind of in horror <laughs> that's okay sometimes you need that shock in your life yeah. but the other thing i was also, gonna mention I can't I don't know the last time I even thought of Debbie Mazar, but... Uh, yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but uh, one thing, too, I was going to mention with Mr. Gordon, which I remember you had mentioned it last time, too, and I read a little bit about it, was his work in theater. And he was known for the game show at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and the controversy that surrounded it because what they were doing with the play was intended to be an attack on apathy, so they locked the audience in the theater and seemingly humiliated, beat, and raped them, but they did have the plants, right, in the audience, so they were the ones who were being used. But it said that every performance ended with the audience rioting and stopping the show, which that's fucking awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, so it makes sense that he uses the same people throughout his films because of his work in theater. So with that being said, you've already mentioned that the film is based off the H.P. Lovecraft story from the, of the same name, now, if I'm not mistaken, that story was written in 1920, but it wasn't published until June of 1934 in The Fantasy Fan, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I actually did go back this week and read, because it's only like seven pages long. I was about long. to say, it's seven pages long. Yeah, so it's not a very long read at all. So you can do it in like is, 10 uh, minutes. This is technically a loose adaptation, because oh, it really a straight-up adaptation be a is, short film. is a 10-minute movie. Yeah, it's like it's a short, <laughs> literally. <laughs> all right. So with that, I've already mentioned that Stuart Gordon helped write the screenplay, but also Brian Usna, who's another gentleman we've talked about before. Brian Usna, I really like him a lot, man. He's a really cool dude. Now, we have mentioned Brian Usna because he helped produce the film Reanimator, so we've actually talked about him way back when. But as a director, he's actually directed such films as Society, which, which I really highly cover. recommend. So good. Bride of Reanimator is one I actually picked up last year and watched. He did Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 4, Initiation, Return of the Living Dead Part 3. He did the segments The Library and Whispers for the uh, Necronomicon. Mm. He directed The Dentist, The Dentist Part 2, Faust, Love the Damned, Beyond Reanimator. And we've already talked about some of his writing credits, which is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, From Beyond, this story, of course, Pride of Reanimator, The Silent Night, Deadly Nights Part 4 and 5, and Necronomicon and Beyond Reanimator. So... He's got some really cool works. And the other gentleman is Dennis Paoli, which we've mentioned him several times before as well. So some of his works include Ghoulies Part 2, which he was a screenwriter for, the films Spellcaster, The Pit and the Pendulum, Body Snatchers, Castle Freak, The Dentist, and he also helped with Dagon. So yeah, some pretty cool works with those guys. All right, moving along, we have our cinematographer, and that gentleman is Swedish film director and, of course, cinematographer Mac Alberg. So some of his credits include the Danish erotic classic, I, A Woman, which is like... Oh. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I was like, that's really interesting. And he also did two sequels to that film, as well as a Swedish version of Fanny Hill. It's kind of neat seeing him, of course, with this. And he said he frequently was hired by producer Charles Band, who was actually one of our producers in this film. All right, so moving along, we have editor Lee Percy. And with Mr. Percy, some of his titles for editing include the films Boys Don't Cry, Snowden. He was also in the editorial department for the film Salt. Like I said, some some pretty cool films, man, actually. The 2013 carry. Yeah. I I still haven't seen that. I don't think I've seen that either, now that I think about it. I wanted to, but anyway. 
Yeah, it's like, we'll be okay. But the other films include the film 54, which is really cool. Single White Female, Blue Steel, Dolls, Troll, Reanimator. So he's no stranger to us as well, which is, like I said, he's got some cool bodies of work. Shogun Assassin. <coughs> yeah, man. All right, so our music was composed by Richard Band, another one of those gentlemen we've actually talked about before because of some of his bodies of work. But if you go through his filmography, I'll just include some because he's got a shit ton of work. But he did help with the films Ghoulies, Troll, Terror Vision, Puppet Master, Puppet Master 2, The Pit and the Pendulum, Bride of Reanimator, Puppet Master 3, Trancers 2 and 3, Demonic Toys, Puppet Master 4, Prehysteria. So if you look at most of his bodies of work, of course, is in the horror community. But just looking through it here, I can tell you that he worked with Full Moon a lot. Yeah. Which is really cool. I'm a big fan of those. And uh, he's actually done some work, it looks like, on some of those Evil Bong films. So um, that's pretty awesome. Well, and he won a Best Original Soundtrack at the, the Sitkiss... Sitkiss? I don't know. How yeah, I, think, I know you're that Spain or uh, Spanish film festival. Yeah, yeah, for this movie. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that. That's really cool, man. Hell yeah. Our special effects, we do have to mention them because there's some really cool people involved. It involves Dublin Effects, Mark Showstrom Studio, Mechanical and Makeup Imageries, and More Than Skin Deep. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe I saw Berger in Kurtzman's name on this once again because they helped. I think they were technicians for some okay. of the special effects. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. All right. This was produced by Brian Usna. The production companies were Empire Pictures and Terran Prov. The distributor was Empire Pictures for the 1986 USA theatrical release. It had its release dates on October 1986 at that particular film festival we just mentioned, the Sitkis, Sitges, I don't know. And it was released here in the States on October 24th, 1986. I was four years old when this movie was released. <laughs> the budget was $4.5 million. Unfortunately, only grossed $1.26 million. So you can consider it a flop at the box office. I do have two taglines. There are a couple, but these two I liked. One is, humans are such easy prey. All right. And the second one is, everything is alive and hungry. I like that one just a little bit more. The first one's actually a straight-up line yeah. out of the film, but it uh, makes sense. It fits with, anyway. We'll get into we'll, that. We can yeah. get to that. <laughs> All right. So that rounds out our crew. Moving along to our cast, we've actually talked about several of these people before, but I'm going to lead off because this is one of those gentlemen I love talking about. I'm talking about Jeffrey Combs, who plays the role of Dr. Crawford Tillinghast in this film. Now, we've mentioned him, of course, because of our episode of Reanimator. Now, I know there's a big bad reason why you enjoy him outside of the horror community, which I'll mention here in just a little bit. But sticking with the horror side of the films, he actually made his horror debut in the film Frightmare. He followed that up with films such as Cellar Dweller, which, man, that's it's not a bad film. It's kind of cheesy, but it's not a bad 80s film. He also was in Bride of Reanimator, where he reprised his role as Dr. Herbert West. He was in The Pit and the Pendulum, the film The Giver. I know you've mentioned that before. He was in Trancers Part 2. He was in the film Necronomicon, Castle Freak, The Frighteners. I still know what you did last summer. House on Haunted Hill. He was in the film Beyond Reanimator. Once again, as Dr. Herbert West. He was in The Wizard of Gore, which 
was one I watched more recently. That's the actually 2006 version, which we've covered, the OG. And let's see, some, some things like Night of Living Dead 3D, Suburban Gothic, Howard Lovecraft and the Kingdom of Madness. But getting to the television side of things, people probably recognize him because of his roles in Star Trek, like in Deep Space Nine. He was Brunt, Wei-Yun, and Tyron in 33 episodes. He actually voiced Dr. Jonathan Crane, better known maybe as Scarecrow, in the new Batman Adventures. He was in Star Trek Voyager in an episode uh, as Pink. He was also in 11 episodes of Star Trek Enterprise as Shran and Krem. He was in The Twilight Zone, that's 2002. Masters of Horror as Edgar Allan Poe in the episode The Black Cat. Did a lot of work, too. Looks like a children's show such as Scooby-Doo, The Avengers, Transformers, Thundercats, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ben 10. Like, so some really cool shit, man. I'm glad we're getting to talk about him again today. Also, I played a shit ton of Injustice 2, and he was the voice for Brainiac. Yeah, I did some video game work. That's pretty cool. Yeah, hell yeah. We have actress Barbara Crampton. I'm going to go ahead and say it. One of my favorites. I'm not going to lie about it. But she plays the role of Dr. Catherine McMichaels. We've talked about her on two episodes, actually. Reanimator and episode 95. <laughs> Which is still probably our favorite episode, wink, wink, <laughs> is because, uh, still yeah. Still the worst movie we've Death covered. House. That's so wild, man. All right. So because we mentioned her before, I'll kind of, you know, wind down some of her credits. But you might recognize her because she was in Days of Our Lives for a long time. She actually was nominated for a Soap Opera Digest Award for Outstanding Villainous in a drama series back in 1990. But some of her film titles include Body Double, which is actually a really good film. She was also in the films Tropping Mall, Castle Freak, You Are Next, We Are Still Here, and Little Sister. Now, there's another film I actually saw her in not too long ago because it's kind of low budget, but the film I'm talking about is Beyond the Gates, which is, yeah, it's not bad. But more recently, she's been in such things as Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, and In Search of Darkness, which is actually a documentary film about herself, which is really cool. So, well, I won't say about her, but it's about horror in general, but she's in it. So moving along, we have Ted Sorrell, who plays the role of Dr. Edward Pretorius. Some of his film credits include the films Lenny, he was in the film Network, he was in the film Basket Case Part 2, and he was also in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the television series back in 1993. All right, moving ahead, we have another actor we've actually talked about before a couple times, but we have Ken Forey. He plays the role of Sergeant Bubba Brownlee in this film. Now, we've talked about him on episodes, coincidentally enough, episodes 130 and episode 131. So those episodes are The Devil's Rejects for 130 and Dawn of the Dead, the 1978 version. Oh, shit. We did have him back-to-back weeks, didn't we? Didn't even realize until I was looking this up. I was like, well, what better time to talk about him than back-to-back, right? But some of his other credits include Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3, he was in the film The Dentist. He was in another uh, George Romero film, Night Riders, which is kind of interesting. He's done some television work because I know you've seen him in uh, Keenan and Kel, mm-hmm. which is really oh, cool. fuck yeah. Yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, like I said, he was also in Rob Zombie's Halloween, which is really neat. So, yeah, I mean, familiar face amongst horror. Very recognizable guy. It's cool to see him in this film. I didn't even realize he was in it until we decided to do it. All right, moving along, we have... 
Carolyn Purdy Gordon, and this is the wife of Mr. Stuart Gordon, which is really cool. Now, because of their work in theater, I did read that they were arrested for obscenity charges because of some of the shit they were pulling off back in Wisconsin, but... She was in some other films, of course. She was actually in Reanimator as Dr. Herod. She was also in the films Fortress. She was in Bleacher Bums. She was actually a writer for that, which is really cool. Like I said, a lot of the stuff that she's done is more or less in conjunction with her husband, which is really cool. Because, like I said, she was in Space Truckers. She was also in The Pit and the Pendulum. She was in the film Dolls, so it makes sense that he would put her in her film. All right, we have Bunny Summers, who plays the role of the neighborhood lady. We've actually talked about her before because she was the screaming nurse at the beginning of Reanimator, which is really neat. And some of her other credits include the films The Last Starfighter. She was in Favorite Son. I guess more recently, some of her stuff include the television series Freaky Leaks, even though it wasn't more recent for us, but for her filmography, I suppose. She was also in Killer Bud. She was in Ellen, the television series, which is really neat. She was Wait, also Killer in, Bud, like what we just smoked? Yeah, man. Feeling it. <laughs> she was also in Fatal Instinct, which is really neat. And last but not least, we have actor Bruce McGuire, who plays the role of Jordan Fields. The films that I have him listed in were Zone Troopers. He was in the film Batman and the film Capri. Sweet. So that rounds out our cast and our crew. We've talked about the synopsis, what you're getting yourself into. We should give you some warnings on this film. Intense body horror. Absolutely. uh, Sexual themes, nudity, language. Yeah, it's your usual language. There's some blood. There's a little bit of Gore. gore. The gore is more along the lines of like crazy body horror, but there's some like straight up gore. Yeah, no, I agree I suppose, with you there. So. Nah, like I said, just a little sexy stuff here and there. Yeah, a little sexy stuff here and there. If you can handle Event Horizon, you can handle oh, this. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, if you can handle Reanimator, you can handle this. Yeah, that too. I'd say that too. Let's just talk about it and uh, find out how it made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? From Beyond, Danny. Not The Beyond. We've also seen that. <laughs> yes, we have. From Beyond. what you think? How'd it make you squeal? So, Had you seen this before? Because you weren't sure when we talked about it last yeah, time? Yeah, it's like I, I'm almost 100% sure I haven't seen this prior to us reviewing it. Which, in some parts, to answer your question, it made me a little sad and a little pissed off that I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> <laughs> Because of how much I like Reanimator and Stuart Gordon mm-hmm. and everybody we mentioned before, Combs and, and Crampton for E. But there's another part of me, too, which I was like, this is not a bad kind of follow-up to Reanimator. I mean, it's not quite the same, you know, value, I suppose. But I, I still found it entertaining. Even in some of its weak moments, it's because of the technology, mostly. Mm-hmm. So without spoiling too much, I did enjoy this film a lot. Like I said, I just wish I had seen it a lot earlier. I wasn't mad that I hadn't seen it earlier. I was mad that, although I do realize that this movie has its own cult following, it's not as large as the one for Reanimator. Oh, no doubt about that. And like we've mentioned many, many times, try to watch these movies twice before we talk about them on the show. I found that I liked it even more the second time. Yeah, I think probably for the same reasons after I'd seen it the first time. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am looking forward to watching it a second time. 
And it kind of seems like that's a trend that's just going to continue as I watch it again in the future. That nice. I'm just going to continue to like it even more. So it just makes me sad that its cult following isn't, isn't bigger. quite as big, yeah. And I know it's out there because I, now I realize that like I've seen art based off Dr. Pretorius and shit. And I just didn't get the reference before. Yeah. It's out there. Right. I mean, it, but, you're right. It does have a cult following, just not as large as reanimators. At least, I think, in my opinion. I think maybe yours as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't deserve to be quite as big as Reanimators, but it deserves to be bigger than the presence that I've seen from it, I suppose, is what I'm getting at. Right, because I think that's probably part of the reason I didn't see it, mainly because you don't hear a whole lot about it, unless you're actually, you know, involved with Lovecraft's works, Gordon's work, you know, shit of that nature. So, um, yeah, just one I missed out on up until now. I mean, we brought it up. As far as it comes to when you're seeking out things based off Lovecraft's works, From Beyond is a seven-page story. Right. So on its face, the movie being 80 minutes long is ludicrous <laughs> as it is. Yeah, I mean, because we had mentioned long before, whether, I guess mainly in script writing, is one page amounts to at least one minute of film time, right? So if it's only seven pages long, you only get seven minutes <laughs> roughly out of it. And you could stretch that. I, I, I read it just this morning because it's only seven pages. You can stretch it. Obviously, they did stretch it. I think this is actually a pretty fucking fair adaptation. I would agree. Yeah, after reading the source material and watching this film, it's like, yeah, I mean, they did a pretty good job of... It's obvious what the source was. Right? Implementing the ideas and some of the concepts into a film, right? And I think that's they did, what yeah, they Gordon just does did well. what they had to to make it 80 minutes. Yeah, right. I which know, is right? change a lot, but it's extremely obvious what the source is. Right. It's not too far removed. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with you there. Yeah, I don't know. This movie made me really happy. Likewise, um, I mean, I was I was glad we chose this film. Even if it came down to a a toss of a coin, I was still happy with it. I'm starting to try to think of things that like, now that we have Earworm going, kind of, not that we've done any more since our last <laughs> meeting, but, like, ways we could go across network, and it'd be almost fun to make the Warhammer boys over on Art of Wargaming do this and Event Horizon oh, man. in a doubleheader, just because this is also kind of 40K-ish. In as much as, like, that. that's kind of, like, 40K draws on Lovecraftian themes anyway, and... This is just, once again, accidentally <laughs> touching the warp and bullshit happening to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go into the movie. Okay. Kind of get through it, figure out what we all fucking dug on as we went through this bitch. First, I mean, I remember these days. I saw the shit from back then. I grew up with all the old shit. But it still kind of makes me laugh when you open on a movie and they're conducting crazy-ass science experiments that are rending open space and time with those old ass fucking computers <laughs> that shit looks more straight out of like the 50s and 60s more so than the 80s because it's just big and clunky mm -hmm. yeah it's like a fucking i don't know man it's like like a war board well and not even like the big war boards that were like up on the walls and shit i was even just thinking like his desktop like apple one or oh my the fuck god it was. <laughs> well yeah i mean if we're gonna be a <laughs> More direct, I, I didn't yeah. see what exactly it was, but I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's, that lit, did look like an old apple. I'm like, if that thing can rip open space and time, I'm doubly scared of my fucking phone. Yeah, something right in your fucking pocket. Opening up dimensions. 
But Jeffrey Combs, I'm just going to forget his character. Crawford. Yeah, Tellingast. 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 I, I don't know. <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. Which. Tellingast. Before we get too much further, the difference between, of course, the short story and Tellingast and what we get in that is that Tellingast seems to be the person who uh, is what Pretorius is in this film. So in the short story at Lovecraft's Tilling Ask is the guy who's the guy that's being revered as mm-hmm. the genius, whereas Jeffrey Combs plays the other guy that's supposed to be in the story. They just switch names, mm-hmm. which I thought was neat. But anyhow. He's sitting there working on his mad science experiment <laughs> shit in his fucking apartment. That's <laughs> what it looks like in the beginning, yeah. I'm like, how are you getting that much power? Anyway. Yeah, he, he's got it got some nice space up there too. Right. For flat, he's conducting his experiment, and as a result, you see these looks like eel-like creatures kind of floating, and he moves a little bit, and one of them bites him. And then I put it on pause the second time I watched it because it's like, let me see exactly what this creature looks like, you know, as opposed to mm-hmm. the digital rendering of it. I was like, it's actually not bad. No, no, looks. I noticed they they look pretty good once they're yeah, real it had, life. It looked like a, a sucker, and it had some very you know evil looking eyes. And no, I noticed they looked pretty good once they were in in the real world. Yeah, but when they're phased out, that's, I'm like, oh, this is like some '50s Disney bullshit. <laughs> that's kind of what I was getting at with a little <laughs> bit of the gripe that I that you could argue in this film is. I'm like, I get it too. But yeah, it, I, it's looks so cheesy. But I get it. Like you were saying, I get it. It's 1986, 85. They it's were honestly it. a little bit endearing. And it kind of throws you off for what's to come later. Because some of the physical, like the practical effects that they do later. Yeah. You're then like, oh, shit. Okay. That's what you can do. Oh, I, fuck. <laughs> what I think, which is just funny that you said this. You said it felt a little Disney-like. So that's kind of funny because he did wind up doing it on a kid. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they were thinking that too. <laughs> but, uh. Right. Long story short is uh, after he has his encounter with those creatures, right, and he turns the machine off, he goes down to Pretorius's room. Right. The first time through, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I was like, he just has some really good taste, right? He's got the robe. Oh, see, first time through, I was like, the fuck is Pretorius wearing that goddamn robe for? Right. I was just thinking, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay. That's where that second time through definitely helps with what the fuck is going on during these sequences, too, because what I learned from it was his sexual deviancy, and most of it is derived from the fact that, you know, the resonator has effects on people, mm-hmm. sexual, etc. But the first time through, I wasn't putting that together. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, anyhow, he comes out in that robe, and they go upstairs, and they recreate that scenario. No! <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like, oh shit. So as that's happening, right? What I wrote down on like certain quotes, Pretorius is looking at Crawford, and he's telling him, he's like, "Can't you feel it, Crawford, in the mind?" <laughs> I was like, oh shit, because oh, his pineal. Or, I don't know. Is it pineal? Pineal? I've heard pineal. I think they kept saying pineal, right? I'm gonna say pineal because that's what I say. But that's what's happening. Is like, you know, he's like. Super expressing it. He's ready. And what comes of it is what we learn. Well, the neighbor hears that shit. I have to mention that, right? Mm -hmm. And I like that. It kind of gets into more like that Stuart Gordon little bit of the reanimator feel where you have these kind of little odd characters, comedic characters. But uh, she's calling the cops. She's hearing disturbances and shit. Her dog gets loose. Dude, 
Her fucking phone call is funny as shit. That's the It's it's comedic. It's it eases the tension a little bit. Her phone call is funny as shit, dude. This whole, almost all this senior is extremely. Ted Sorrell is super over the top. He's good. He's great. He's look reanimator. I'm still gonna say probably edges out in being the slightly better movie. I think this might have the slightly better Jeffrey Combs performance. Yeah, I think as this character that he plays as opposed to Herbert West, yeah, I think he did a lot better job with this and one. And he's on 11 most Man. of this movie. He, you're right. His expressions are really good. His mannerisms, he sells it. His scenes, he sells mm-hmm. it. Yeah, he does a great job. <laughs> and, <laughs> he manages to get out of there. So does the neighbor. Yeah, she's and, just hollering, running down the stairs. And you get the cut back. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And I'm like, so did the creature turn this motherfucker into Earthworm Jim? <laughs> right? That's what you would think? Let's see, yeah, after they both get out of the house, the cops are there. Later on, when the cops mention the head's twisted off, I'm like, oh, now that makes sense for what I saw. Right, but the, what I thought was funny was a little bit later on, they go back, mm-hmm. which I'm going to mention here is, so after it goes back into it and you see the dog looks like nibbling on the twisted head, we get the introduction to Barbara Crampton's character, Dr. Catherine McMichaels, and Dr. Block. And basically what's happening is um, Tilling asked, Combs' character is put in the psych ward for the crime of perhaps killing Pretorius. Right. And because she's a psychiatrist and she works on, it looks like specifically schizophrenia and whatnot, she's like, well, let me, let me see. Let me hear him out at whatnot. And um, you can tell there's already a, a rift between her and Block, and that's where the other guy Fields is there from the DA's office. And look, obviously these guys are Lovecraft fans, and so I super appreciated that they threw in a Dr. Block, because that can only be right. a reference to Robert Block, who was the writer of Psycho oh, and that's right. That's right. was a pen pal of H.P. Lovecraft. That is really cool, isn't it? Yeah, I think it maybe it's Pretorius who was... A Frankenstein reference? Yeah, the Frankenstein, because I think it was Dr. Frankenstein's, his professor. Mm. Like, he was studying under Pretorius, if oh, I'm not okay. mistaken. Yeah, so that's why they put those names in. All right, long story short, what I liked about one of the scenes is when Crampton's going through, I guess, part of the unit where it's housing those characters, right? And one guy... Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. She didn't look too perturbed by it. I mean, she was like a little disappointed, but I don't know specifically for the act. Maybe it was something else. Second time through, that scene with the cells is a bit of foreshadowing. It really is. Because it seems to imply that the schizophrenics really are seeing these things from beyond. And they're having all the different reactions to it. Yeah. Get these things away from me or whatever. And then the one guy's like... I'm kind of like Bubba. This shit just gets me hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm down like a clown. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it does make sense. It's one, yeah, one half of it is is the sexual enhancement. They keep, they keep bringing that up. Like, you know, maybe this will teach us more about schizophrenia. Maybe this is the beginning of a cure for schizophrenia. Yeah. Maybe for some reason we're taking all these guesses that it's linked to the pineal gland. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? All right. She eventually gets into um, Combs. I'm just going to refer to him as Jeffrey Combs. I mean, we can say Till and Gas, but Combs is maybe easier, right, for sake of argument. Or maybe Crawford, because that's his first name in this film. So anyway, he's telling her, he's recounting what happened with him and Pretorius. No one believes him. Eventually, she talks that DA guy, Fields, 
into letting Combs' character be in her release or in her custody because she wants to recreate it, see what happened to Pretoria, see if there's any validity. During their interaction in his cell, there was one line delivery of his where I was like, if you needed to retitle this movie, we would make jokes about it till the end of time, but his line delivery sells it. You could rename this movie, It Came. <laughs> yeah, because he did say that. He's like, It Came. <laughs> That's really good. But it man. would work. Oh, yeah. It would work. Oh, yeah. Actually, I had it written down to this when he said that. Because this is what he says. It, it came and bit his head off like a gingerbread man. <laughs> right. So uh, actually, before the, she releases into the custody, they do a CAT scan is what happens. And she sees where he has the enlarged pineal gland. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, maybe there's some truth to what he's saying with that resonator. She wants to find out. So when she does get the release, then we get introduced to Ken Foray's character, right? What did he say? It was Buford, Brownlee. People call me Bubba. I was a football player. I was about to say, like... We're all crazy. <laughs> I think I think H.P. Lovecraft's racist ass <laughs> would be laughing at the fact that the only black character in this movie played professional football, is named Bubba, and is the only one to admit getting a hard on. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's either that or him being a servant. <laughs> Oh, man, right? <laughs> yeah, we know what that entails, unfortunately. And dies. <laughs> this is a yeah. spoiler section of the show. No, so you're right. He, dies. he does he die. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks, but it's true. You're asking for it. <laughs> uh, before he dies, though, they ride up to the Pretorius house, right? They go inside. He trips over the cables. Crawford's explaining, you know, we had to run more power. It just needed more power. So I was not expecting Pretorius to have been in to SNM. I know. That was awesome, dude. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Are we watching? Oh, look at those tits. Yeah. I'm like, they're not bad boobs at all. Uh, but you're right. He They found the kink room is basically that room he came out of earlier in the film. So that's why I said the second time through seeing that beginning part, it's like, oh. That scene kind of weirdly made me wonder, because in this modern day and age, if you purely used... S&M as being the reason to be like, this guy's crazy. <laughs> all it is is fucking kink shaming. Yeah, that's also, all it is. Also, like, dude's a fucking college professor. Like, think about it. Most of your college professors were probably having some pretty fucking kinky sex. You're probably right, man, because that almost seems like a stereotype now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Considering, yeah. Like, I don't think that holds up with the same amount of shorthand these days. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. in context at the time, that's shorthand for like, no, this guy's up to some fucked up shit. Yeah, he's in some kinky shit. <laughs> Which, true, but not as bad as it seems. Yeah, there's far worse out there. But it was still surprising. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the kink up, which was cool. I mean, that's Stuart Gordon right there for you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you find a college professor having some stupid kinky sex on tape. You watch more of that tape, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please. So, yeah, after they find that little kink room. I was half expecting to see Jeffrey Combs off in the corner of the tape, just beating one out. (laughs) That would be pretty. (laughs) You know, what what they're doing, and this is kind of the part I was talking about, when they eventually do go back upstairs in the attic, Mm -hmm. and you see that fucking chalk outline of Pretorius' headless body. It's like, did they really have to do that? (laughs) But I thought it was kind of funny because later on we see another chalk outline, (laughs) which we've already talked about. But the whole point is Crawford is he's basically wanting to destroy the machine again. Now he uh, has the axe. I've always thought that the chalk outline was really funny and cool. 
I read somewhere, I don't know if this is true or not, because I have no experience in this field, <laughs> that they don't do the chalk outline if you're found dead. They do a chalk outline if you're found alive. Oh, that's pretty cool. This is where we found him. Right. As opposed to, yeah, this is where he died. Because <laughs> it's, like, yeah, it's obvious he, he fucking died. Yeah, it's like, we know where he died. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know how we got there. <laughs> yeah, we need to know how we found him while we take him away to be saved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a good place to work backwards from. But mm-hmm. anyhow, that, that was a little bit funny. What this amounts to, essentially, make a long-winded story short, is Crawford is going to fix the machine. Ken Forey's character cooks them dinner, right? She passes out later on upstairs. She she got all food-hungry, <laughs> drunk. That's when Jeffrey Combs is working on the machine. He goes over and looks at her, and Ken Forey's like, she's pretty, isn't she? And then she's like, she wakes up, sober as a jaybird, and she's like, is it ready? And then that's when he's explaining to her, you know, how it works. He had to bypass all this shit. It's just basically an on-off system mm-hmm. now. So he turns it on, fires it back up, and they start seeing those floating creatures again. And Ken Forey gets a little too curious. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't get it too bad, though. No, 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 considering. He just gets he gets nibbled on the arm. He gets nibbled. But what it leads to is them finding Pretorius coming out of the shadows. Right. And explaining, like... He didn't die. He just went beyond. <laughs> and then his fucking head blowing off shit. That's some gnarly shit, man. That was fucking crazy. That's when I was like, oh, I'm going to excuse all the eels right now because this shit just turned up to 11 in like the greatest way. Man, what I liked about that particular scene, too, is he says a line, Pretorius, that is, and he's explaining it. He's like, uh, he's telling Jeffrey Combs, he's like, it's just a body, but my mind is indivisible. And that's when you're starting to know, like, that body horror shit's kicking in. Because he tells him, he's like, film me if you don't believe or whatever. <laughs> now, yeah, he lets out that laugh. He's like, motherfucker, you don't even know. <laughs> so anyhow, she thinks now that there is a connection, like, after they switch it off and all that shit happens, is that there's a connection between schizophrenic enlarged pineal glands and, of course, the accompanying of sexual stimulation. And then she wants to do the experiment again. Well, and she thinks, that, well... Because she, you can tell she's like, she's feeling it when the machine's on. Right. And well, and she starts looking up Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. Then, she's holding on to Like him. I said, Bubba straight up brings it up. He's like, I got heart. Yeah. I'm My like, shit is like this. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker, ain't nobody talking manners at the kitchen table. Like, I know. I'm not ready to get cucked yet. <laughs> that was another thing, though. I was just like, did he just, okay, I guess we're going to talk about Bubba's hard cock for a second. Right. <laughs> I, right. thought, I actually thought they were going to talk about it more, but she's just like, yeah, well. And she gives a look like, floodgates were open. That's right. <laughs> we were all feeling it. Let's put it that way. All right. So when they're kind of like resting up, trying to figure out what... Kind of made me want to go back and see if they gave him a hard-on in that scene. <laughs> That'd be kind of neat. Like, <laughs> like if you're paying attention, it turns out he's just rock solid in his jeans that entire scene. You're like, yeah. the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I, what I thought was kind of neat too about that is uh, there's some really cool stuff that Combs is doing. He's, he's letting you know that his pineal gland is being more affected than theirs because theirs is just now kind of first experiencing it mm-hmm. compared to him. He's he's already done this test once before. Who knows, maybe a few times before too, but you can tell like he's more affected in here more so than down there <laughs> is what I'm getting at. But because she becomes so like entranced by it, she wants to reconduct the experiment because that's what you do with science, right? Dude, when they sense. were done with that shit, and she's like, 
all right, let's call it a night. I'm like, you dumbasses. You know you're going to have to watch her, right? She's mm-hmm. just going to go conduct the experiment again while your, your dumbasses are sleeping. <laughs> it was one of the few times like I wanted to yell at a movie. Like, quit yep. being dumbasses. She's making it 200% obvious Way too obvious. To she was liking that shit, right? Low down freak. But uh, <laughs> she does. She wakes up in the middle of her sleep, goes upstairs. She's in her nightgown and... She turns on the switch, all that shit. And then Combs wakes up because he's feeling it. He goes upstairs and then he's trying to interrupt her. And what she tells him, she's like, I have to feel more, see more. Yeah. <laughs> and then she starts to make out with them and shit. Ken Foray comes up there. I was like, oh shit. She's defoeing that lighthouse. Yeah, she really is. She really is. That's so funny. She really did. But Pretorius appears, and that's what he does. He takes her hostage, and while he's doing that, Jeffrey Combs runs downstairs, and Ken Forey tackles him. They stumble. They're going to cut the circuit breakers off, and then they run into like a version of the Demigorgon, but in the snake worm, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, yeah. that Dude, the worm was... Tremors. <laughs> the worm was dope from the front. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you saw behind it what Ken Forey did, you're like, oh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> some animatronic stuff. From the back, it looked like... So, okay, let's get into this for a second. You could almost count it as a slight against this movie, but in the end, and we kind of hinted at it, I'd say 85% of this movie looks like we could do it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You're absolutely right. of it doesn't. I don't know how to do that shit. Me either. That's why they bring in the experts. But I find this movie almost inspirational from that perspective. I love this. I can make this. Yeah. They had the really good fortune of being able to use that studio. So I think it was Dino Cinta. I think it was, or Dino City. It was Dino De Laurenti's studio. But because of, like, tax evasion and all this shit, it was seized. <laughs> okay. And so Empire are the ones who bought that up. And this is one of the first films that was shot on that lot in the studio. So oh, a lot shit. of this was okay. shot in a studio. That's how, well, I should say, this This is part of the reason why they shot it in Italy compared to in the States. They said it would cost, like, $15 million to shoot this in the States, whereas it only cost, like, $4 million, I think, in Italy. But what I'm getting at with that, too, is you can tell because of the space they got to use, and it felt like more of an ensemble cast because we've already seen a few of these people before. So that's why I feel like these performances are really good in this film, too. That's where I think the 15% is where I'm, I guess, going back with that. That 15% is them knowing what they the fuck they're doing and having some cool people. Like, this is another edit real quick, is it wasn't Howard Berger. It was Nicotero, Gregory mm-hmm. Nicotero, mm-hmm. Ian Kurtzman, who worked on this. So when you got guys like that, <laughs> whatever they're going to do is going to be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I overall found it when you could see through it more endearing than like, oh, look at these cheap assholes. Yeah, no, 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 I know what you're saying. But this is one of the parts where that comes up. <laughs> well, first off, you're just like, what the, what the fuck is Ken Forey wearing? Oh, dude. <laughs> His <laughs> fucking banana hammock. <laughs> it's like, man, they were having some liberties with this film. And then he's like, hold up, I'll be right back. Yeah. And I'm like... Dude, the thing's like five foot away. Like, if you can run away, Jeffrey Combs can run away. I know. I mean, <laughs> understandably, they're trying to kill the breaker because that shit's a, a product of it. 
But then it's not like, hold on, I'll be right back because I'm going to go get a shotgun. No. It's like, hold on, I'll be right back because I'm going to go grab a kitchen knife and jump on this thing's back. Yeah, he went, I don't know what he was thinking. (laughs) It's like, he close a buck naked on that thing. (laughs) Luckily. Right. Luckily, he does pull the cables out from the circuit breaker. But it's a little, in in some sense, it's a little too late because that fucking thing had Jeffrey Combs. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, luckily, that sandworm is just, fuck, I can't remember the name of it. It's that fucking razor with the vacuum attached. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. And all it did was fucking Shame. give him a good baldy. <laughs> yeah, like, and... And homegirl home upstairs had to have a pretty nasty kiss, but she turned out all right for the kind of amount well, she Well, considering, she just into. felt more molested because she was. Yeah, because she was. Yeah, oh, he, he got some should have warned about that. I, there is some... Yeah, it's definitely I mean, sexual assault. It is. It is. 100%. Especially once he elongates the fingers. We don't quite see where the ends of those fingers go. No, but you can use your imagination, right? You're doing some tickling. You, you could tell, like, once the power was cut. Dude, we she, skipped over that. Like, Pretorius ends up fucking gnarly looking. That's where I was super like... super gnarly. Like, that's where... That's where I was, like, 40K. Because yeah. I'm like, this reminds me of some of the warp mutations that are described when I read, like, the 40K books and shit. Nice. Maybe not so much the sort of shit that you see on, like, Chaos Marines that are actually able, like, up and moving around and shit, like, in their armor. But, like, this is the sort of shit that you see from... And that's described, like, behind the scenes for some of the officers and yeah. shit that are on bridges. And <laughs> yeah, that shit's gnarly, man. But you're right. It, it looks good. Like, what they did with him looks fucking good. But she does. She pulls the plug on that fucking machine afterward. She's disgusted. A little... For Which me, it's like, good. However, yeah. they fucking told you so. Yeah, you should have known better. But what I thought was a little bit funny was how Ken Forey picked up Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> I almost lost my shit when I saw that. He's just so gentle with him. Cradling him. So yeah. Gingerly. I got you. All right. What happens after all this? They're back, for whatever reason, in Pretorius's room. Wait, so <laughs> somehow this movie did. It's fool me once, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Fool me twice, shame on me. And it's all on me because they surprised me twice with S&M gear. <laughs> Uh, man, well, not only that, that fucking picture or whatever on the wall, the painting, if if that is what it was, of just like the cleavage and shit. Like mm-hmm. you can tell that was he was into the kink, all right. But then yeah, he's got the bondage gear too, that the, the straps, well, like, all that. We already saw that in the I videos. Was like, yeah, but. the dungeon. Did, we already saw the dungeon. Mm-hmm. The surprising part was, I didn't think <laughs> that Barbara Crampton was gonna get all kinked out. Yeah, she was still having the aftershocks of what happened. Mm-hmm. She just, I think after she was, she felt guilty, right? She felt a little dirty. But now she's like, oh, hold on now. Dirty. I'm, I'm in the dungeon now. <laughs> right? Jeffrey Combs is, he's getting the, well, he's getting the Me Too movement thing going. Because we have to admit, she molested him too. Yeah. Even though. <laughs> yeah, he's out cold from his unorthodox shaving. Yeah, and, and she's like, she, she reaches down and cranks it a little bit. Mm-hmm. She get a little crank that soldier boy. Even <laughs> like it doesn't seem like he's even responding, and she's like, "Whatever, I'll still ride it." Yeah, she's like, I- "I'm gonna get mine." <laughs> and I was like, "Damn, that's another thing. I wasn't expecting that at all." But once again, not disappointed. <laughs> Ken Forey comes in. I'm like, "Why? 
<laughs> but he's like, he's like, then I tell you to get dressed. What the fuck is you doing? But what he does, rightfully so, is he grabs her and he's like, is this who you are? Is this what, you know? See, you about that at this life? Point, at this point, I thought since he had been hit a couple times too, that's what was going to happen was just like they were going to get it on like on top of Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> That's, I, that's I legitimately thought that something like that was going to happen. I did not think he was going to go like Sam Jackson and Black Snake Moan. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, what you doing, baby girl? <laughs> Got more res- put more respect on your name, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? At first, it does look like she's going to try to entice him, but no, 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 it doesn't work until <laughs> until it leaves the room again. And you're like, damn, she's got the freak in her. So, so f- from beyond, yeah, from beyond. Pretorius gets the power going. Right. He puts all that shit back together. And that's when Combs comes out out of his, like, sexy dreams. <laughs> He's like, do you feel that? And like, well, you just missed the party, brother. <laughs> right? But he runs upstairs because he knows that he's powering it up from beyond. And they get attacked. She and he. Combs and Crampton get attacked by flies or bugs or whatever the fuck that was. So, is there any explanation other than plot armor why they didn't end up with the same fate as Bubba? I, well, Cause they I were know. getting attacked for like twice as long by those. Oh things. yeah, he got mauled. Oh, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah, theoretically they should have. All of them should have died. But he's the one who gets it for you. That is because he drops his fucking flashlight and it shines it on him. And so all the attention's on him. And they're just like. <sighs> That was pretty gnarly. That was fucking good, dude. It was, was good. The, good. Yeah. The after effects of what happened, it was, you're like, oh, shit, that's a really good gore. It looks good. I mean, of course, you know. It reminded me of uh, Dead Alive a little bit. I was thinking the same thing. A little reminded bit. Reminded me a bit of Dead Alive when they pulled the legs back through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But all in all, it looked good. You know, of course, she's feeling guilty once again because he's dead because of some of their actions while inside that home. Wait, not the only thing in this movie to remind me of Dead Alive. That's a good point, too, man. There's a there's some of that feel to it. Yeah, for sure. All right. What happens after he gets mauled and eaten and all that shit is your boy comes back again, right? He appears, and he attacks McMichaels, right? And while he's doing that, he tells them, humans are such easy prey. That's one of your taglines there. And but, he's full on like growing tentacles and shit now. Like, yeah, he looks fucking gnarly. He looks good. Yeah. I mean, granted, I'm like, that's some fucking like he killer makeup. Look good, but he looks. But good. no, the makeup yeah. looks good. Yeah, all that shit. The effects look good. But what he's telling Crawford Combs, that is, is that he's evolving. Like he's like you're evolving. He's like you're going to be the first man. All that shit. You're turning into something that's never existed. Before. Yeah, and it's. I mean, yeah, it's cool because his third eye is opening up, and I think that's when it finally shoots out. Like it protrudes out. As it's happening, too, he's grabbing her, like dragging her back in or trying to whatnot. Mm-hmm. She gets the fire extinguisher and puts him out and the resonator out. And he comes back one last time. You know, she shoots it again. Anyway, what I was wondering, too, this is kind of interesting, is I was wondering if, if all that is like a metaphor. And what I mean by that, hear me out just for a second. Okay. <laughs> She's got that fire extinguisher and it shoots out a white substance liquid. All over that machine. <laughs> right? And the whole time, it's like, they've already used that sexual, you mm-hmm. know, like, this is what it does to you. It heightens your sexual excitement and all that shit. So I was wondering, is like, 
the apex, the climax, was her shooting her load over the machine. <laughs> and, you know, everything went back to normal, normalcy, so to speak. So it made me wonder that. I was like, I wonder if they did that purposely or I'm just reading too much into it. I just thought it was neat how she had to keep doing it. Yeah. To a certain extent. Like, she did it and it's kept, it was, wasn't was enough. Like this thing and it started to come back and she had to... <laughs> One last little load, but I, I just I wrote that down because like maybe I don't know maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think there might be something there. <laughs> All right, long story short, once again is now McMichael's and Tellingast are both at the psych ward. So Jeffrey Combs, especially when it's out, but even just the way it's deformed yeah. his head and shit, I'm like this motherfucker could be one of the Nightbreed. He could. That's a pretty cool little enhancement he has, too, because it allows him to see... I think in the story it's supposed to be ultraviolet, so it makes a little bit sense what they're doing with this in this film. Well, it's also brain heat seeker. It really is, too, yeah. <laughs> we learn that when it's hungry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he just... He starts going on a fucking brain-eating spree. Right. Which, uh, I, uh, once again, I was not expecting Jeffrey Combs to suddenly go on a brain-eating spree. I didn't either. What I, what I thought was kind of cool, too, is how Block was... She was trying to grab the fucking pineal gland and it keeps mm-hmm. going in and out that was really funny yeah and then it cues so over just get that little yeah it, it cues over to like that guy fields kind of giving um barbara crampton you know tongue lashing like you got one of my best men dead and blah 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 and and then block is like look she's a deviant and blah 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 it's just like we need to give her some electroshock treatment like fucking hell she went on the deep end so they're prepping Barbara Crampton for all that shit. And, but because he gets out, you were talking about Crawford comes, he gets out, goes to the pathology lab, eat, starts eating fucking brains, and Block comes in because she realizes he's escaped. And uh, she's telling him, she's like, you know, it's not good for you. <laughs> and he's like, they're so delicious. And she's kind of ushering him out. He kind of snaps out of that once he realizes what the fuck he's doing. Mm-hmm. But then that's, yeah. His pineal gland sees that fucking Just brain image. Brain. brain. He closes the door. He sucks her eyeball out, spits it out. I did a, a freeze frame on that because I was like, that actually looks good. <laughs> so she she turns to the camera and you see the wound, him fucking spitting it out. And then uh, he goes for the wound again and gets him a nice little uh, blood shake. <laughs> right? And so he gets out, cramped him because of all that shit right before she gets the, the treatment. That nurse comes in, she's telling him, he's like, there's a disturbance going on. Shit's going down. Right? She uses that little overhead light to bash that dude's head. Mm-hmm. She gets out of that situation, steals the man and goes back to the house. And um, Combs gets out, but he makes it into the parking lot. And that's where he runs into the EMTs and the wino. The wino is actually Albert Band, the producer, like one oh, of the okay. executive producers, line producers, whatever. But what it entails is like he basically feeds them both of them, Combs that is. Gets the ambulance, drives back out. I, I kind of wish that they had been doing something where he was getting noticeably different in some way with each brain he was eating. Yeah, like but, some enhancement, perhaps. Yeah, yeah but I mean, it, I mean, it was still cool. But yeah, it's not bad. I like so looking the gore back is pretty on decent. it. I'm like, eh, that would be even cooler. But yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, no doubt. And it wasn't bad. Yeah, but yeah. She's back at the estate, and uh, she's upstairs, right? And what she's doing, she's placing a bomb on the uh, the machine, the resonator. Right, she sets right. a timer. Fucking this thing up. Yeah, she's like, it, it, no one's making out a lot. <laughs> but uh, Jeffrey Combs comes in as she's trying to leave, and he takes her back to the kink room, puts her in those uh, arm straps, and 
telling her that he loves her and he doesn't give a fuck if they blow up or not. And his gland comes out and she rips that shit off with her teeth. And I was like, fucking ow. I don't have no shit. I don't have a pineal stalk no. coming out of my forehead. But for some reason, that imagery was enough to be like, that shit seems like it hurts <laughs> like a motherfucker. You would think, yeah, man. You bite anything, that shit's going to hurt. I don't care what your threshold is. <laughs> you but bite it off? <laughs> he basically comes out of that little stupor he's in. And, of course, your boy shows back up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, if he's not going to get you, I will. <laughs> yeah. But what I thought was neat, too, I didn't catch it the first time through. For whatever reason, I tuned out a little bit. But Jeffrey Combs is basically calling out Pretorius for being a eunuch, like an yeah. impotent. Yeah, he's like, you can't get it up, bitch. He's like, you you can't you can't fulfill whatever. He's well, then, but then <laughs> dude's like, well, then how about you show me? And yeah. I'm like, wow, especially where this is about to go. That's extremely homoerotic. That certainly is. I mean, they were already living together doing experiments. Well, uh, yeah, got the kink true. room. We don't know what happened before. But that's the thing, like, where this ends up going, because JC ends up getting caught. Oh, he and does. And you get to see his head get twisted off, which that was cool, too. But like Pretorius, like, his mind is also indivisible. Right. And so it continues on. And you end up with this mashup of Dead Alive <laughs> yep. and Tetsuo. Precisely, dude. I was thinking both of those films, because those are a good way of incorporating the body horror with the, the melding of multiple characters, personalities, whatever. I'm not sure what came first out of any of those three, because I'm not going to look up all the dates right now, and I don't care. But, like, <laughs> that's the easiest way to describe yeah. this, is dead alive at first, like, popping out a mom. Surprise, bitch! <laughs> you see the hands come out of the mouth, I mm -hmm. think it is, or something like that, yeah. But then you also get, it's very Tetsuo-y, where they're both part of the same body and they're kind of fighting they don't turn into yeah. a giant dick but. no no, <laughs> no but you do see what appears to be that part of combs's character attacking mm -hmm. pretorius to help her escape before the fucking bomb goes off now that part is all super gnarly and super cool when really like is. the faces rip off and it's just like the skull worms it's attacking wild. each other yeah. in the fucking body i like that and they just end up like this giant... It looks like the Elric brothers, quote-unquote, mom in Full Metal Alchemist when yeah. they try to bring her back, for any of those nerdy <laughs> listeners out there. <laughs> That's um, nice. But it's all... Like, it's super... It's just like this lump of fucking flesh and bones and yeah, fighting skulls. That's all just one being. It's fucking cool. <laughs> right, she jumps out just in the nick of time as the uh, upstairs explodes. But when she lands, you see her wound. I'm like, God I damn. I didn't notice that the first time. Her legs got fucked up. Look, fucking super gnarly. But then you see all those neighbors around like, like, oh, what the fuck is going on over here? Right? And then we get the lady from the beginning of the film coming over with her poodle. And she's like, what happened? And basically what she says is, uh, it ate him. And she backs off. And then I wrote down, you could interpret it as... She's laughing and crying, but maniacally at the end, because it's a kind of a mixture of all of those feelings. And so mm -hmm. I was like, huh. Oh, yeah. She's driven mad. Yeah. This, yeah, is, oh, a, this sure. is a Lovecraft adaptation. She's driven I mad. Think, yeah. I think maybe the initial part of that yell scream is like the hurt. And then the second part's like, ooh, but now I'm the lone survivor with this information. 
who came out with the enhancements. So, yeah. Okay, so two questions for the end of this movie. When the explosion went off, did it hit the creature first or the machine first? Because mm. if it hit the creature while it was in the real world, it might have been enough to actually kill it. Because that was a hell of a fucking explosion. That's a good point, yeah. But if it hit the machine first, then they would have phased back into the beyond. And so that means the creature would still, with both of them stuck in it, would still be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Mm. And I mean, there's no guarantee the explosion would kill it either, but I'd say there, yeah. there's at least a higher chance. Man, I know. That's that's a really interesting question. That's almost like a Schrodinger's cat, you know? We don't know because unless we observe it, we don't have a definitive answer. So technically they could be both in both states. <laughs> but no, um, I would like to think for the sake of this film, maybe they they died in our world. But who's to say? I don't know. Second question, considering how close she was in proximity to the fully working machine throughout the last half of this movie, has Barbara Crampton been exposed enough that she's going to stalk out soon after the end of the movie? Hmm. Oof, maybe. I could see that. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. I wish they would have hinted at it. I know. Because I think that's a really fun idea. No, there's some really cool open-ended questions. Where, like, they end up throwing her, like, in a mental institution, because that's what's going to happen. Right. this is based on a Lovecraft story. Plus, she's wounded. She's not going to go very far. Uh, That's the only thing that's going to make sense, she's going to be wheelchair-bound in a mental institution. But if she then stalks out, or some sort of mutation, Mm -hmm. and then gets out... Huh. Or just kills a shit ton of people. While she's in, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Like, that's a story all of its own. That would be be. a really cool, maybe, follow-up to this for those who are seeking. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I think that's some really good questions, because of the way it ends, it's very open-ended, it's ambiguous, because we don't know what happens after. So I don't know. I like that. I like that. Good questions. Yeah, overall, I would say this one definitely is right in the wheelhouse with the films that we mentioned earlier, Dead Live course reanimator things like that but once again the overall feeling i got from this at least me personally is like man had i'd seen this around the same time i'd seen reanimator this one's of course a little bit more kinky Mm -hmm. i mean granted there's some kinky shit in reanimator you know but this one had the the snm going on Mm -hmm. so i don't know it would have made me feel a little differently perhaps like looking back on it but one thing we didn't mention is I'm glad that we did get to see this version of it because for the longest time it had a cut version of 80 minutes where we didn't get a lot of the kinky shit and some of the other gore and whatnot. So we got, I think, around five or so extra minutes, maybe Something two like if that. you yeah. if you don't include the credits. So, yeah, I'm not disappointed. Let's put it that way. I'm, I mean, it's going to be one of those films that's going to be fun to show people who don't know about this film. Yeah. Especially if you like Reanimator or any Stuart Gordon film or the films that we had mentioned before. So, yeah. I feel like we're going to have to get to Castle Freak before too long. Yeah. Like, so I'm a and real big fan of Gordon, so I'm not opposed to And you to said that. Society for Usna. Oh, dude. That movie is so fucking gnarly. <laughs> That's really good. So, um, yeah, man. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. It's another one of those things, too. We've mentioned several times before. But in entertainment, in life in general, people pass. People that we've either followed because of film or just, you know, what have you. It's cool to watch some of his filmography and see how not only he was influenced by Lovecraft, but then incorporate that into his style because it is a style unique to him. So, yeah, I don't know how somebody else would go in and try to adapt this film 
and well, not give you the kind of the, the same entertainment I feel like Gordon gives you. Right. And that's that's one, the, one other thing I was wondering. I was like, in general, there's just so many remakes out there. There's a number of remakes and reboots that we both really enjoy. So I always just kind of think about that when I think about any of these older movies. Where I'm like, oh, could somebody remake this? And I'm like, I'd rather not see someone try to remake this. I'd rather see someone just do another new adaptation yeah. of the seven-page short story. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some Use really cool ways a, to interpret it. a yeah. bedrock to go somewhere else, have a fun time with it. Totally agree. Could make a super trippy movie. Oh, I would love to see the Panos Cosmatos version of From Beyond. <sighs> Dude, that would be so fucking gnarly. <laughs> I'm all for that. We've already seen what he can do with Cosmic Horror. John Evernall is another perfect example mm-hmm. of somebody who could knock it out of the fucking ballpark. That's kind of just where I thought about it. Yeah, that's I was really like, cool. I would like to see a version of this story again. It doesn't necessarily have to be a remake yeah, of this version. But no, because this was already extrapolated from a seven-page short story. Yeah, exactly. Just extrapolate something else from that seven-page short story. Yeah. I think that's the really cool thing about stories like this is what you can do with it because of the open-endedness of it. So, like I said, I'm, I'm really happy that we did get to cover this film. It's one of those, now I can say I've seen it. Of course, the further we get along in his filmography, it's going to knock out some other films I haven't seen before either. So, I'm looking forward to that. That's right. Did we decide on anything for sure for next Not week? Not for sure. I know we've been bouncing around some ideas. We'll figure that out because uh, next it's, week... It's about that time. <laughs> Next week's our time of year. Technically, like... This whole month, really. This whole month has been 420 month, but it's just been a shitty month because of goddamn <sighs> coronavirus. So Dude. we haven't been, like, celebrating as hard as we normally would, but we're still going to bring you a 420 episode that will probably be out earlier than normal so we can drop it on 420. So you won't get an episode on <laughs> Thursday that week. You'll get an episode much earlier in the yeah. week. But it's going to be weed-themed, so fucking love it <laughs> yeah we'll keep it true to uh what our namesake is we'll be at least as stoned as usual if not more so <laughs> we don't necessarily need to try to get any more stoned oh. otherwise we might not bring you a good episode oh we've but... already done that before <laughs> we know what we can get ourselves into if we could go down that rabbit hole but we're gonna celebrate because it's yeah. fucking 420 and we're the fried squirms so expect a weed themed <laughs> horror movie which means it's probably gonna be comedy horror because yeah i don't know if a single weed themed serious horror movie exists <sighs> not that i am aware of but if they do shoot us some ideas right got in order to listen to that please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now that'd be super awesome if you could rate and review us do we have anything else to say about from beyond i just sort of transitioned no go see it if you haven't before that's all i have to say okay cool Rate and review us however you can, because that'd be awesome, because everything's run on algorithms. In order to listen to our entire back catalog, you can go check out our website, www.friedsquirms.com. You can contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. While you're at the website, if you click the links up at the top, you'll notice we're part of the Earverm Podcast Network. You can follow all of that to check out the other shows. Listen to me talk about nerd shit over on General Nerdery. I already mentioned the boys over at the Art of Wargaming talk about wargaming and 40k and Bellagarth and stuff mixed with Machiavelli and Frederick the Great and Klingon Art of War. Yeah, they're not shy about that. That's right. Do all of that. That'd be super awesome for us. Uh, Check us out on all the social medias. Just search for Fried Squirms. Yeah. I 
think we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Am I yeah. missing something? I feel like I'm missing something, but I think I hit it also. No, you're right. I think the only thing that I would add to that is once I mean, because a lot of us are in quarantine. I mean, some of us are essential. That's not to say everybody's not essential, but I'm essential. During this time, I'm essential. <laughs> but for those of us who are not, it means it gives you more time to check out some really cool films. And along the way, if there's some films that we haven't discussed and you would like us to discuss them, give us some suggestions, some recommendations. And once again, if you are a filmmaker, we enjoy some independent cinema. So if you need some eyeballs on those films, let us know. Always up for the challenge. That's right. We love you. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Wash your hands and your ass. Especially your ass. <laughs> exactly. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Out.